together again. Welcome to Hand of Pod. episode 440 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello. Who is back from his holidays. I am. And Andres. Hello, welcome. Where I say Sam, you're sounding more upbeat than, than ever I think. Thank uh, you, yeah, it's slightly forced. I'm not really in the mood to come out today. Oh, fair but, enough. But, um, you know, you've got to put on a show for the, I was about to say cameras, but the microphone, haven't you? Make, make the people, give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Jovial Sam is apparently what they want. Indeed. Um, since we last recorded, since Santi and I last recorded the main episode and Andres and I last recorded an extra that has not yet gone online but will be doing in a few hours' time, I think, um, the, the context around that was that uh, Andres misunderstood a message from me saying that he could have the evening off and just turned up really right. early. Uh, but I, I went in the to just record with Santi. I, I went to her, his house in the afternoon, not in a night. So, oh, I see. So... Um, so that was quite funny. Uh, but yeah, since we last recorded... <laughs> See how everything falls, falls apart without me. Indeed. One reason we didn't record last week, one reason of a couple, because the other reason was that I was quite busy, uh, was that last week there was a midweek round of matches. So listeners will remember that last time out, two weeks ago, we previewed the Super Classico, albeit very briefly. Uh, that match was a 1-0 win for Boca Juniors, uh, which we'll probably talk a little bit about in a few minutes' time. And... Obviously, given the preview that you heard from me and Santi, you'll be uh, already getting the impression, therefore, that that pretty much was the nail in the coffin for River's title challenge. That was followed up for River uh, by a 2-1 defeat in the Monumental to Banfield a few days later. They got back on track this last weekend with a 1-0 win over San Lorenzo in Bajo Flores. I'm not going to go through all of the results for all the teams, Um but Boca, following that 1-0 win in the Super, uh, got another 1-0 win away to Lanús without Marcos Rojo because he, very sensibly and very Marcos Rojo-like, got himself sent off with about 30 seconds to go in the Super Clásico when there was really no need because that's what he does. Um, and Boca then were held to a 0-0 draw by Huracán in one of the worst matches of football that I have watched this year. I mean, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched most of it and I wished I hadn't. Um, so while Dan's been away, I think the lead of the league has been, although it's still now, currently, today, the same team top of the league as was when you left, yes. uh, the league leaders have changed something like four times while you've been away. It went Atletico Tucumán, Gimnasia, Boca, back to Gimnasia, I think, and now it's Atletico some days it was Boca the leader, then yeah. uh, when they, they, they drew, and then Atletico Tucumán was the great the winner of the of the week as they 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 defeated well I don't remember who they defeated but uh, uh, after winning and Nasa losing against Central Cordoba that meant that they, they are now leaders again. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Atletico Tucumán drew 1-1 away to San Lorenzo and Gimnasia lost 2-0 away to Newell's. 
And then in the midweek round, uh, Atletico Tucumán scanning down this whole list of fixtures and trying to pick them out quickly is, is difficult. Atletico Tucumán drew 1-1 with Tacheres and Gimnasia beat Arsenal 2-0. Uh, and then, as Andres says, just this last week, Atletico Tucumán's win was against Argentinos Juniors. That was one of the matches I caught. Mm-hmm. And Gimnasia... Rather surprisingly, in another of the matches that I watched most of, I've watched an unusual amount of football this week, because I was just explaining before we hit record, um, lost 1-0 to Central Córdoba in a match which could turn out to be important for the relegation battle, mm. that, those three points for Central Córdoba, if anybody gets relegated. Which, not like once again, they're raising the spectre of perhaps deciding not to relegate people, Jeez. and we might end up with a 30-team top flight again next year, even though this was all supposed to have been hammered out and eliminated the chance of... Uh, a few weeks ago because it's the AFA and you have to have the same conversation over and over again and that's why every episode of this podcast ends up sounding the same Uh, but do keep listening to us please Dan I'm not going to ask you whether you've seen any notable football matches (laughs) during your time away because I suspect you just watched the Racing game since you got back Uh, not even that to be honest Um, the time difference isn't exactly uh very useful when you're when you're travelling in Europe, and I didn't really fancy staying up till like midnight, one o'clock to to watch games on my laptop. But I was keeping track of the results. All I saw from Racing is not many goals and a ridiculous amount of red cards. Mm. Yeah, there were three sendings off in their one 0 win over Platense this last weekend. Two of them for Racing. All oh, right. Oh, yeah. Two two of them were like basically as half the full time whistle yeah. was being blown. But yeah, there, there was one for each side in the ninety sixth mm-hmm. minute, and then one for Racing a few minutes before that. Yeah, incredible. And they had two players sent off, I think, against the Estudiantes, another two sent off in the last game I managed to watch, which was against San Lorenzo. And a player sent off after the match ended. <laughs> incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, so all things considered, I'm quite surprised to see him really in the title race. Uh, only four points behind the Atletico Tucumán. Yeah, the standings at the moment, then, after the sort of roundup of results that I've very quickly given is Atletico Tucumán are on 38 points Gimnasia have 36 Boca also have 36 but are just behind Gimnasia on uh, quite a long way behind actually on goal difference Gimnasia have scored 21 and conceded 11 Boca have scored 25 and conceded 22 when did they concede all these goals because I yeah. saw the last six results where they've won every game 2-1 1-0 or drawn 0-0 I believe they, I mean, I remember, be... they got thrashed by Banfield 4-0 in like the they second round, right? Like that. Was a 3-0 against Padre Nato. It was a 3-0 against Padre Nato, yeah. But it still seems like a lot. Um, I believe there won't be any any uh, tiebreaker if there is uh, two teams or three. If Boca are involved, I'd say all bets are off. They yeah. could well just shove one in there without any Yeah, I, I can't remember what the, res- what the rules are for this season, but I, th- I think it might still be if, they, if, if two teams tie for first, then there might still be a playoff. Mm. But only if they tie for first rather than any of the cup positions or anything. Um, but yeah, so Boca have 36, as do Gimnasia. Uh, Racing and Huracan have 34 each, and obviously a separated on goal difference, so Racing a fourth, Huracan fifth. And River and Godoy Cruz both have 32, but as we already said, River's title race is now. I mean, it felt like it was all but run, and then everybody ahead of them after the Super Classico, I mean, and then everyone mm. ahead of them started dropping points again. So, Andres, are you feeling a little bit more optimistic still than maybe no. you would have been after, immediately after the Boca defeat? I don't, no. Uh, it's th- this, I, th- I mean, River is like a show. If you can, must show someone who has, uh, watch, hasn't watched any football how Argentine football is, you have to show River. 
reverse campaign uh, as the example of uh, not being regular uh, as <laughs> winning losing playing well playing bad uh, playing decently but not scoring uh, playing bad but scoring I mean it's you can't uh, rely on this team uh, to uh, say well uh, if the, the others lose points but River win two or three games which could happen they are again in the race title because um, it's not only the way uh, or I mean the the the, the uh, that they can win against San Lorenzo they can win against San Lorenzo and lose against Banfield and then Banfield losing lose against Lanús uh, which uh, well football is not logical but in this case River is much uh, uh, what Arsenal football is uh, 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 as a whole um, uh, it's in, in, talking about the the, the, game, the last game against San Lorenzo they did a decent job uh, in the first half uh, scoring one goal by well Manuel Mamana and uh, who I think it, I think it was uh, after a, a free kick or a corner kick. I don't remember very well. It was a corner, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, and uh, in the second half, they they got sent off. Herrera got sent off, and after that, it was giving the ball away to San Lorenzo, who of course tried to uh, score uh, through crosses. They were successful, and River is like resisted, uh, mm. uh, which was perhaps. Not strange because of the, of the moment of the team, but uh, 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 not ideal if you want to, uh, of course, uh, be a, a serious candidate to, to get the title. Yeah, I mean, San Lorenzo didn't really ask any questions of them. Um, when you mentioned the Banfield win, it, something clicked. Obviously, I mentioned the Banfield win earlier as well, but uh, something just clicked in my head. And I realised that Banfield have... So what I realised at first was that Banfield have won in the Bombonera and the Monumental this league season. And, and then I thought, was they, they had to play both Boca and River away, rather than one at home and one yeah. away. That seems like different from how the short championships used to work when there were just 19, well, 20 teams, 19 matches. And I think they've um, also beaten either Independiente or San Lorenzo, and that accounts for about three of their six wins in total. Uh, yeah, they beat uh, Central, they beat Colón, then they beat River. Uh, oh, hang on, that's, uh, that brings us up to date. So, yeah, they beat Boca, they beat Tigre, mm. and they beat Central Cordoba before that. Um, so I don't they, know, they drew against the other one, so they're the still Copa to blame. La Liga. But they've only won one match at home. All the other victories mm. have been away. Um, but, yeah, and then Andres mentioned as well the Clásico against Lanús, um, that they lost 1-0. Uh, not a bad game, I thought. Oh, sorry, they didn't lose it 1-0, they lost 2-1. I'm getting on. Yes. Having watched a decent amount of matches for a change over the weekend because the pool room was closed. That's um, the peril of watching too many games. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not getting, getting things mixed up. But Jonathan, Jonathan Cabral uh, put Lanús 1-0 up right on the stroke of half-time with an almost entirely unmarked header from a corner. From it was a just the most basic... Mm, like, title winner, yes, in 2014. It was the most basic kind of just one of those where if you spend a little bit of time getting your set pieces sorted out on Football Manager... Mm. And you've got somebody who's really big and strong, and you say, "Yeah, put the corner to the near post." Just you score a header in every match. It was just one of those where <laughs> Banfield just completely fell to pieces. Uh, and then Franco Orozco doubled the lead with five minutes to go before Andres Chavez pulled it back uh, to two-one before a very lengthy and entertainingly bad-tempered uh, period of stoppage time. Uh, I, I enjoyed that much. 
It was good fun. It, it was a bit of a shame not to see anybody sent off at the end of it. Charles, who is back at Banfield, I think, uh, um, to give some experience there because they they have well apart from from uh, what well, I forgot the one the other one I was going to 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 mention. Uh, the other player, big player, old player who is at Banfield, but is I think in the bench and uh, not playing usually in the starting lineup. Uh, the number ten, I think he's. Uh, you think he's Bertolo? Yeah, no, no, not Bertolo. The other one. Uh, number ten, number ten shirt is. Uh, oh yeah, but Bertolo's number eight. Sorry, yeah. Uh, someone who didn't make the bench for the Clásico because there's no number ten there. No, Domingo, Nicolás Domingo. No, well, uh, but the thing is that they play with Ramiro Enrique and Cruz, the the son of mm. of, of uh, Julio Cruz, uh, who are younger, are younger or kids. So Chavez, in this case, comes to to give the experience to to, to the squad. Apart from those players uh, or the other player I, I was going to name, Tatolo. Jesus Tatolo. Yes, that that is the one. Yeah. There we are. We got them yet. Team effort. Um. Argentinos against Atletico Tucumán was also pretty good. It was also a 2-1 away win. Um, Argentinos got their goal with almost the last touch of the game. Atletico were 2-0 up at half-time. Thoroughly deserved it. Two goals for Cristian Menéndez. Not really an awful lot else to say, but just a very impressive performance after, as I said, they had spent the three matches since we last recorded. Dropping points, seeing their league lead lost. And then grabbing back hold of it again um, you know because when when they slipped to second and third in between matches obviously and, and while other players while other teams were playing earlier in the round than them I did think I thought back to I think it was a conversation me and Santi had on the last recording uh, when it, obviously neither of you two were there um, where it, it kind of feels like it's, it's going to start asking a lot of questions of them now that they they had at one point a four or five point lead mm. right and now that's been whittled down. Uh, yeah, and this feels like the first the kind of that could be exactly the way down. Yeah. A bit of pressure. I remember a, a month or two ago we were we were saying that if they end up in a, a title race with you know River or Boca or something, a, a club mm. who've got experience of title races and for whom a league win wouldn't be as earth-shakingly like this changes the whole history mm. of the club as it would be for no offense Atletico Tucumán or Gimnasia you'd probably back the River or Boca in that situation and so for Atletico to then go no you know what we can dust ourselves in off in fact when they lost to Boca I thought yeah. and the way they lost they, I thought well this is it that was the proof or, or the, the perhaps the match for them to prove they were ready to to, to, to beat the champions and, and, and Boca was behind them mm. Boca winning like they won, a, a lo Boca, like they say, with more pushing more than playing. Mm. Uh, I thought, yes, Boca, Boca could be champions, and with this, Atletico Tucumán will perhaps be, be behind. And well, again, they are insisting and they are uh, and taking advantage of the, the others not, not winning, uh, something that River couldn't do. Uh, the, the, ways, the, the times that the others uh, couldn't, couldn't win. Uh, River neither win, yeah, neither one. So uh, that's the difference, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and also getting you know Atletico Tucumán in a way sort of grinding out the results a la Boca when they have to as well. They've only lost twice, which is slightly strangely. Huracan have also only lost twice um, in fifth place, but obviously Atletico have won more matches than Huracan. Ten wins and eight draws, as opposed to Huracan's eight draws, eight, eight wins and ten draws. Um, 
Whereas, yeah, Boca have, Boca have lost six matches. They've just won more than anybody else in the league. 11. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's... It, it's starting to get interesting now. We've got, what, seven matches left? Seven matches. Um, well, starting, I, I'm, I'm starting to dare to believe that they could do it. I watched the last 15 minutes of the match between Lanús and Boca, the goal scored by Benedetto. Mm-hmm. And it's like Boca needs only one play to to win because they, they are they're relatively solid on defence. So they think, well, put Fabra in the left to... Uh, uh, with the cross to Benedetto, Benedetto pushing the ball uh, to the net, and this is it. Yeah, one thing that's going to play against Boca, at least this weekend, is that they've got a hell of a lot of players out as well, because they've lost three to the international break. Zambrano, Avincula and Fabra, which is basically three quarters of their first choice defence. Yeah. I think Benedetto's out, uh, Visha and someone else has been out for a while. Sebastius. And Sebastius possibly. Uh, so they we were really putting a scratch team together on Friday to to go to Godegruz. Yeah, and they yeah, play Friday was... because on Wednesday they play same as River for Copa Argentina. Ah, yes, of course, yeah. Mm. Uh, and I was about to say, I was about to say that normally at this point we would then make the joke that the thing that's in Boca's favour is that they're playing Godoy Cruz this weekend. Yeah, but right. actually, Godoy Cruz are... I mean, I, I, I've got the home standings up, but Godoy Cruz are, what, 7th? In the table and also seventh in the home standings and still unbeaten in Mendoza this season. Well, they could always tend to finish either top five or bottom five. Yes, yeah. very um, and often just in consecutive seasons. Talking about yeah, the regular, definitely a, a lift team. It's just it, it just feels like several campaigns in a row where they've just been pretty rubbish. It's Not been a so, while, so yeah. It's a bit weird to see them bit, yeah. doing quite well again, yeah. uh, and having played fewer than the, the only. T- I'm looking at the home standings and the only team above them in the home standings of the six teams above them um, who've played the same number of matches as them is Gimnasia, who are top of the home standings. Uh, with the, they, so they've both played nine matches. Everybody else has played either 10 or 11 home games already, so it's have more of an opportunity to pick up points at home. Um, well, so that is going to be one of the more interesting games this weekend, I think. Absolutely. Especially now that Boca very much in the title race, which yes. as recently as when you left the country. Three yeah, weeks no ago, idea, yeah. The no team which is, which is recovering, and of course won't be enough for them to to be in their first uh, uh, positions of the table, is Independiente. For, I think They're this, a long way down. A long, long way down. Sorry, I was just I was just double checking that we do have matches this weekend because we do. it's international yes. week as well. But yes, we do have games this week. Hence why Boca. That's why decimated. Independiente are in twentieth position, but as Andres says, they are recovering. They have won their last four matches. Mm. So, um, so something about how bad they were when they can win four matches yeah, yeah. and still be down in twentieth. Their, their record yes. now is six wins, six draws, eight defeats. <laughs> but as recently as three weeks ago, it was. Two wins, six draws, and eight defeats. In fact, there um, was a banner, I think, or, or a flag uh, that the, some supporters put in the in the in the stands saying, "Stop, no more falsiones," mm. or something like that. And well, after that, they won all of the matches. Yeah, with who in charge? Falcioni. So maybe it's not um, going too bad before them now. Now that he's had the chance, I mean, he'd only been in charge a couple of weeks when they put that banner up, hadn't he? Yes. Not really enough time to stamp his authority on the team. Uh, who have they got coming up now? It's a shame Santi wasn't able to make it for this, but we're recording quite early in they the day. They have news at home. Yes, they have, haven't they? And then they've got a Copa Argentina. It's quarter final now, isn't it? Yes. Coming up. 
um, quarterfinal with Tacheres uh, next week. Yes, a week yesterday. Um, Arsenal, Central Cordoba, Tigre, Barracas, Central, Banfield, and then Boca on the last weekend. Well, we'll see how long they can keep that going. We could say that the, these pre-River Boca semi-finals, but we are not sure at this, po- at this point whether River will be able to defeat Patronato and Boca defeat Quilmes. But if they both win their quarters, yes. they'll go into the same semi. Yes. Excellent. So what, what are the other quarters then? Well, Independiente, Tachera, as I've just said, and the other one is... Can we remember? No, I had to... Uh, let's see. Yes. Argentina, Copa Argentina. Uh, it is Banfield versus no. Godoy Cruz. So that's going to be Banfield or Godoy Cruz versus Independiente or Tacheres. And Patronato or River versus Boca or Quilmes. And look at that, they're all being played next Tuesday and Wednesday. Wow, look at that. Consistent scheduling. I mean, beautiful. I, I feel like I need to make absolutely doubly sure that one of these matches isn't actually a round of 32 game or something. And that they've <laughs> still got one whole branch mm. of the tree to sort out. But no, it says here they're all quarterfinals. Um, what can you ask me about one of the games that didn't get played? Which sounded like, from afar, like an absolute clusterfuck. Uh, Vélez against Central Córdoba. Because of security what issues. So they just, like, Buenos Aires decided they just weren't going to police it and well and acted accordingly? Uh, because of the uh, Queen's funeral, I think they decided to show some uh, respect. Do you think, uh, so you said La Reta sent a detachment of... Um, of police to mind, the, to me, mind the funeral. To me, it makes as much sense as calling off Man United against Leeds because there was a funeral happening in London. But anyway, I mean, yeah. Uh, Andres, can you remember why this was? Because I can't. I think that there weren't uh, enough pol- uh, police officers to to uh, go to the to, to that match. Well, sorry, like there was I, already I have, two games. Sorry, being played I just remembered the there, there were so the city um, security minister. Yeah, the city security minister and the, and the city police said that they had put aside the you know requisite number of staff to police um, one match in the city on that day. Like At one point, I think somebody said they only ever hold one match in the city of Buenos Aires on a given day. And it's like, well, that's definitely not true. That can't be true. Um, but they, they had, basically, this match got moved to the sort of 13th, what was that, last Thursday or something. Um, or, or Saturday something I can't remember whatever day it got moved to I think midweek it was yeah. yeah whatever day it got moved to it got moved to that day at quite short notice right so like, oh, the, no, the, yeah I mean the security authorities I, I think rightly really kind of went well you know you've told us about this 24 hours in advance we can't now get the staff on we can't police it if we can't police it then it can't take place but, but how many the police would you need? But the reason uh, the reason Vélez it got moved was because Vélez petitioned for it to be moved, and they put that petition in really late. Right. Uh, so I remember that having while Andres was talking, this obviously came back to me a little bit. But there was an interview with the Central Cordoba uh, president, because obviously by the time it got called off, they already they'd already travelled to yes. Buenos Aires. They'd already stayed a night in a hotel, uh, and they were all ready to play. And he was basically saying that he was going to raise a complaint and try and make it so that at least Vélez had to play, pay Central Cordoba's expenses for travelling and stuff because enough, was like, I mean, they didn't get any warning at all. I think it was something to do with the Copa Argentina cla- uh, fixture clash or something mm. like that. Um, but yeah, that was kind of weird. I, <laughs> I just remembered looking at it and thinking, so why is there a big gap between two of the matches that are being played this week? And then, yeah, and then finding out about that like the next day. I find it staggering that Argentina's richest district can't Put the police aside to 
cover two games. Yeah, but I think it was more it that... It blows my mind. I think it was more that they were supposed to play the match either the day before or the right. day after. But, I mean... And so that was wasn't what they that had that planned. The same really late on. Really late. Obviously, also, I'm not suggesting that... Do you think this Saturday, for example, you've got Defensive Cortesia, Lanusa and Independiente, they're all playing on the same day. Yeah. And they're not exactly miles away from each other. And, you know, obviously, Provincia de Buenos Aires is a little bit bigger, but it's not richer. And they can manage it fine. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that the same moment that there were a lot of police, policia de la ciudad officers with the, the Cristina Fernandez? The... <laughs> I don't know. No, I think uh, it would have been. If they could this find a way to blame Cristina for it, I'm sure. Yes, she's true. Yeah. This was nine days ago, so I think it would have been after that had sort of yeah. calmed down a little bit. But I think it was more the very, very short notice right. that, that the AFA confirmed the decision to change the date on or something like that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, having not been following it before it happened, yes. and only picking up the story afterwards, I was a bit confused about that myself, hence forgetting about it until you mentioned it just now. Um, other matches? There weren't any Classicals in that midweek round, were there, that we've forgotten to talk about? We talked about the Super Classical, we talked about the Classical del Sur. Uh, Sarmiento Independiente is not a Classical. Is it not? No, I'm just going down that midweek round now and checking that we're not missing anything really obvious can't see anything no Huracan Barracas Central is almost a classico geographically <laughs> geographically yeah right yeah in fact they're uh, the original site of Barracas Stadium they'd be almost rivaling the Avellaneda clubs for yeah, closeness right. of it's basically location. just on the other side of the of the Estación Buenos Aires uh, yeah Least used train station in, in the entire city, which almost no one knows about. Do, do you know why Barraca Central was allowed to play in their stadium? It's, I, I mean, I, I don't have anything against them, but the stadium is a, merely an, an, an ascenso stadium. It's not Are they allowed now? Have they been cleared to use it? Yeah, sorry? Have they been cleared to use it now? They yes, yes, they, they can. Yes. They are playing there, yes. I tend to oh, say... They played there against Lanús. Oh. I mean, I'm guessing they must have done whatever it was they needed to get up to code. I tend to think it's good. I like to, I like to see teams playing in, in their yeah. own stadiums. They, it can't be been, any worse than All Boys' stadium. There have been a fair few um, Primera Femenina matches played in that stadium, I think. Yeah. I, can't, I think it might be all Rakan's ladies' team, women's team, sorry, play there. Um, and I have dim memories of somebody else, not Barracas Central's women's team, because they're not in the Primera. Mm -hmm. But one of the other teams tends to play women's matches there quite a lot. Uh, I think if you don't have away fans, so you can pretty much get away with playing them anywhere, right? That was the whole mm. argument River used to play at their training ground when um, yes, when that whole Monumental renovation thing was going on. Indeed, yeah. Well, the Monumental renovation is still going on, Dan. And in case anybody's got any questions about it... Uh, it's still pretty much in the same state it was before. They're starting to put the new seats in now, though. Oh, well, and they've taken all really? the seats out of the Centenario. I saw some, some pictures of Yeah, some of the, so uh, the popular stands are being... The, the seats are being taken off, and uh, which means that people there will be will be standing yeah. until the, the, the new seats are, are, are being put there. Well, well, the, 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 put... the Centenario and Cibori Media are going to be popular now. But they're yes, going to be all standing and they're, they're finally moving, getting rid of those putting seats into benches. the upper bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, finally, that was always really weird. The the first the first stance to have the the new seats will be the San Martin Inf Baja Inferior, which we are the new 
some of the new, the new ones bits, because yeah. they are already being sold, have already yeah. been sold, sold. So they're opening it in, in well, starting next year, aren't they? Are going to be the first matches with people sitting in those seats. Yes, I think, but the, 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 these first seats, new seats, I think they will be uh, available for, I don't know if it will be if by the end of this month, uh, when there will be shows, music, music shows, uh, and, and these seats will be, I think, mm. already there. Okay, well, you heard it here first, or second, if you read or listen to Spanish. Um, shall we take a break? Yes, and once we get back, I think we have to talk about Rodrigo de Paul's appalling 1990s bleach dye job. Yeah, I think he's um, hoping to get a place in an NSYNC reunion, now that Justin Timberlake's too big for the the band. I think he's got a good chance, yeah. Now he's got his in... With the music business? Indeed, through, yeah. Uh, through teaming? Hmm. He's definitely going for it. Anyway, don't go away. As well as exciting, uh, and sometimes not very exciting, club football, we also have a couple of thrilling international matches coming up for the Argentine national team. And those matches aren't going to be taking place in Argentina or in any Argentine competition, so I'm going to get a bit confused about which category on sofa score I need to bring up. It's going to be international friendly games, isn't it? Um, Argentina play. So we're recording this on Friday evening. Argentina on, sorry, we're recording this on Thursday evening. It will be going online on Friday evening. I made them both panic then. Uh, Argentina at 9pm Argentine time um, on Friday evening. We'll be playing Honduras in Miami. Miami, Ga- Miami Gardens, which I don't know if Wherever it's a separate is. entity to Miami, but I assume it's fairly close. Indeed. And then on the 27th, which is Tuesday, are playing Jamaica. I'm going to guess that this is in New Jersey, because they always seem to play a match in New Jersey. Harrison, New Jersey. Right, yeah, so that's the MetLife Stadium, isn't it? Um, I think, or I don't know whether it's called that still now, but I think it's the stadium that used to be called that, at least. Uh, If you're one of our American listeners, why not write in and let me know whether I've remembered that correctly or not. Um, these two teams, of course, are titans of world football and will provide Argentina with just the kind of test they need uh, after, obviously, Argentina was supposed to be playing, or supposed to, according to FIFA, to be playing Brazil, finally, in a World Cup qualifier uh, during this international break. But that wasn't played because everybody decided, quite correctly in my opinion, that it was just a bit silly to do so. Yes. Uh, it's still a shame that it never ended up getting played because Argentina would have ended Brazil's all-time unbeaten home record in World Cup qualifiers had that match actually gone ahead as it was meant to. But, you know, the Brazilian authorities stepped in because they couldn't bear to see their boys literally thrashed. In this case. Um, so, yeah. And yes, indeed, they literally stepped onto the pitch. And that was part of the problem. Uh, one of the big dramas for the last couple of days has been that due to uh, respecting the achievements and legacy of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, the United States Embassy 
closed, apparently, in London um, last week. And that led to Lisandro Martinez and Christian Romero of Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur, neither of whom apparently have been involved in an Argentina match or a club match in the United States in recent years, um, and therefore who don't already have a US entry visa, uh, not being able to sort out their, yeah, their he, visas, yeah, and they he, have now sorted that out. So. No, but Scorini has just said that Lisandro Martinez is there, and he could be able to play. The one yeah. who is not there is, is Cuti Romero. No, no that's, that's right. So yes. what we were reading during the break is that apparently Martinez got his entry visa sorted a few hours before Romero got his sorted. So I'm guessing that what's happened, I, I was assuming that they were both going to get them sorted and then be on the same flight, but presumably Martinez found an earlier flight. So he's there. Uh, Romero isn't, but does have a visa. So he will be taking part in probably the second match. In Chile, yes. Um, now, we were talking while you were stepping outside for a cigarette down earlier. Mm-hmm. That, um, and Left Pesela scores three goals and... <laughs> and makes a couple of goal line clearances. Um, the first choice defensive partnership for the Copa America last year obviously was ended up being Otamendi and, and Romero, although it did rotate a little bit during the tournament. I mean, I think that after the start of the season that he's had at Man United, obviously I'm not entirely unbiased on this, <laughs> but I would say that it needs to be Romero and Martinez now. Um, Having said that, I don't know how Otamendi started the season at Benfica. I have an idea how Enzo Fernandes has started the season at Benfica, and he's going to be my player of the World Cup. I think he's going to score about eight goals, all from 40 yards. He might start tomorrow. <laughs> he's apparently Scaloni's umming and ahhing between him or Giovanni Lo Celso. I mean, it's a friendly against Honduras. Why would you not have a look at Fernandes? I would never look at Fernandes. Absolutely. You know exactly what Marcelo can give you. Yeah. And and it's he's sometimes very reliable as an option. Exactly. Gen- generally pretty reliable, I, but not enough to break into the starting lineup. And Fernandez is in the form of his life. Yes. Oh yeah, I would have it. Anyway, I think that's similar to what happens to to Lisandro Martinez. Uh, I don't think Scaloni will uh, get uh, Otamendi in the bench and put in in, in Lisandro Martinez in a starting lineup. Uh, because the, he's playing from some time uh, from now. Uh, yeah, there's something to be said for loyalty. You know, Otamendi's been there for longer than anyone would care to, rem- to remember. Uh, he was all right in the Copa America. He was all right in the World yeah. Cup qualifiers. He hasn't done anything over the last year to to lose his position. Yeah, you know, this is what we said for so many years about Sergio Romero. Of course, uh, just never. Never lost his position in goal despite never playing. Yeah, but I think because that, he didn't do anything to to deserve. I think that a big difference though is that while Romero was in goal, there were no, you know, there were occasionally people shouting about, oh, Willie Caballero this or or you know Franco or Armani Rudy that or whatever. Or but there, that. there actually weren't any other Argentine goalkeepers who were better goalkeepers than he no. was. Whereas I think that there are at least a couple of centre backs who are demonstrably higher performing centre-backs oh, at this moment in time than Nicolas just to play devil's advocate for the fun of it um, Otamendi does bring a hell of a lot of experience um, he's clearly someone who's uh, very popular within the Argentina team he seems to have his own little little group there and, and seems to have the time of his life when he's with Argentina um, so from that point of view you can you can put him there but I think yeah in 2022 Purely on performance, talent level, 
it would be hard to, to put him ahead of Lissandra Martinez. For players that have been playing as a, as a perhaps in the structure since, since, uh, uh, since a long time ago, they have to be awful and the other to be brilliant to, to, yeah, to change. Okay. Uh, uh, unless, for example, Enzo Fernandez, in the case that Giovanni Rochelso isn't at his best, well, Enzo Fernandez is breaking, uh, changing the game in, in, in Portugal. Mm. That is different because perhaps Jason Martinez is brilliant, but Otamendi is not awful. And, uh, but, but what Enzo Fernandez is doing is really, uh, uh, perhaps, not, I don't know if surprising, but to play at, at uh, at Benfica, as if he were there uh, for a long time, is is really really incredible. Yeah, I mean, he got I think it was like three man of the match awards yes. in his first four or five <laughs> matches for them or something, and scored an, a couple of absolute stonkers as well, uh, including one on his debut in the Champions League. It was admittedly in a qualifier, but yeah, it, it, it's been uh, he's hit the ground running as some of us fully expected him to. Oh, absolutely. Um, now, the other thing, Dan, that you mentioned before the break that you wanted to discuss was Rodrigo de Paul and that haircut. And then I also, yes. after switching the microphone off, mentioned that he's um, he's bulked up a bit, hasn't he? He's jacked, I mean, yeah. He's that's what jacked. a man should look like, as some people might say. Not me. <laughs> no comment on that. Uh, uh, I've since found an article on Olé about why he changed his look. Um, it's about as fascinating as you can imagine. Yeah. I'm, I'm um, already. Apparently, he just he wanted to inject some colour into his life because apparently. So he decided to bleach his hair almost white. Yeah, because being a professional footballer and Argentina national and and dating a pop star just left him a bit grey. Apparently. Yeah. Um, but he's undecided whether he's going to keep it for the World Cup because he might revert to his Copa America haircut. Um, for good luck reasons. Well, and also, do, do they allow hair colouring in Quata? Mm. Seems awfully non-conservative to me. I mean, we were talking just a few weeks ago about how he might end up in jail in Quata, yeah. according to Chiqui Tapia. Yeah. Um, it seems like he's just itching. You know, he's really trying to provoke the, the authorities, you know, to, to get himself ruled out of this World Cup. Well, the most important issue, which was the divorce one, uh, has yes. been solved, so the her, haircut... I don't know. I feel, I feel like he's pushing his luck. And we talked about, um, you talked about specifically, Dan, Otamendi's place in the group and the fact that he's got some good friends in the team. And, mm. you know, obviously that's a very important uh, part of taking a, a team, especially to a World Cup, you know, to a Copa America as well, but I think especially to a World Cup mm. where you're in such a different environment. Uh, yeah, and, more than ever in this World Cup, yeah, I think, which and, is going to be uh, just different for everyone. And that was something that... Uh, really was so in my opinion it, it, it was very much brought home in 2014 when you have various players in the squad who everybody beforehand was questioning you know should this guy really be playing and they end up reaching the final after Sabela puts together a, a great group of players yes. and shows a lot of faith in them um, and along those lines we had a very uh, nice moment the other day between Gonzalo Higuain who of course is playing in Miami um, and and some of his former teammates he's not going to be there but he did go along and meet a few of them oh. and give them a few hugs and say hello and uh, have a few pictures taken so you know that was nice as well yeah. but um, do we have a predicted I've been having a look down while you two have been talking and I'm trying to find like a predicted lineup. I did come across match. one yes um, Emiliano Martinez in goal to the surprise of Molina Pesela Otemendi because of these 
aforementioned absences, mm -hmm. and either Tagliafico or Acuna on the left, De Paul, Paredes, and either Lo Celso slash Celso, I'm just going to change every time I say it, yeah. or, uh, or Enzo Fernandez. Mm -hmm. Uh, and up front, I believe, Messi, Lautaro, and Di Maria. Di Maria. Okay, so that's largely as we'd have expected. I, ha I, I will uh, say, though, we, sh we should possibly try and say something about Herman Pizzela, because in all of our discussion about centre-backs, we kind of forgot about him a bit, and he's a very reliable option. I can't even remember where he's playing. He's Fiorentina still, is it? Or? No, Betis. Betis. Oh, he's Betis. Oh, okay, there you go. I didn't know Betis have been there more, so... Yeah, he's... Di Maria with Guido Rodriguez. He's another, I think he's another defender who's not going to win you the World Cups single-handedly, but he very rarely does anything yeah, that decent. leaves you shaking your head. Listen, yeah. the problem with, for him is that, as I said perhaps before, uh, Cody Romero is being brilliant, so... Yeah. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's useful to, to, have in the way, to have him waiting in the wings. Yeah, we have a hand of pod extra that's going to be going up shortly because I'd forgotten quite how time sensitive it was. And it was me and Andres talking a couple of weeks ago about the long list for this round of matches. Okay. I vaguely remembered that it had something to do with the squad for this round of games. And so I've been leaving it to upload this week. And Andres just reminded me before we started recording that we were uh, guessing who was going to be in the team uh, by this point right now. And uh, so, yeah, sorry about that. But if you do want to listen to Hand of Pod Extra, you can go over to patreon.com slash handofpod and you can sign up there. And there's loads and loads of other extra content that is now, apart from this one episode I've got to upload, uh, all online. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember whether there were any other defenders in the long list that got, in the end, knocked out since we... Yes, uh, Martin Squarta is not in the list. That's right, yes. Yeah. So I, I was trying to think who was most likely to kind of lose that spot if one of the centre-backs has to be cut for the World Cup, but Martin Squarta is going to be that. That, that was one that... Probably the guys who were in the yes. States, plus Romero at the moment, yeah, are going to be the sense. ones who end up going, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, before we continue, Sam, can I make a rather shameless plug for something? Oh, go on then, Don. Uh, you all know that I'm accustomed to talking about Argentine football in English. Well, this week... I talked about the England national team in Spanish. Um, a guest appearance on a new podcast, Coronado Sin Gloria, which is tracking the teams that basically made a splash at each World Cup without winning it uh, from 1930 onwards, and it's going to go up to 2018. Oh, okay. So you were talking about this in between sections with Andres a bit earlier, and I was yes. only half listening. I thought you had been interviewed for a book or something. No, no, no. It's not In fact, the title is like something like that. It's crowned with now without glory. Mm. Crowned without glory, yes. yes. Um, and I was brought in as the as a token Englishman to speak about the 1990 World Cup, what it meant to England, its effect both on and off the pitch, which I think I think it's always been you know one of the more interesting World Cups. Perhaps not so much for the level of play because it was pretty shocking at times, but kind of its impact on the game as a whole mm. uh, is quite quite fascinating. Uh, so I ch chatted about that for about 45 minutes with Miguel Francolini, a uh, young Argentine journalist, very uh, hardworking, very very nice lad, and a friend of Seba, who is, so obviously he's a friend of Hand of Pod. Uh, that will be out Sunday, I believe, he told me. So if you understand a bit of Spanish and want to hear me jabber on for, for a while about England, uh, check out 
Coronados Sin Gloria on Twitter around Sunday, and it should be up around there. And I think it's on Spotify as well. Yeah, if you speak Spanish, then don't get confused when you hear two Argentine voices uh, on the podcast, because one of those will be Dan. He just does sound that impressive when he's talking Spanish. Miguel made me speak in English for a bit, just to prove my credentials. Yeah. So you'll notice me. The, the, the rest of us Brits and I, I remember, foreigners on this podcast are all quite jealous of the fact that Dan sounds so local. Because I remember, our, our Spanish is almost as fluent as his, but we don't have the accent down. I, I remember Argentine Dan, sorry, English Dan, talking to, I think it was C5N, C5N, mm-hmm. about the Super Classico. And yes, he had the accent of an Argentine guy. Mm. I missed that interview. When was that? It was about... Five or six years ago, or it three? was for the Super Classico that got postponed because of, or cancelled because of the Pepsi spray. Oh well, okay. Ah, oh, the so 2015. Oh. A long time ago. So Very why, good memory, why did they get an English guy to talk about that on Argentine TV? Uh, it was something to do with the know, international audience. Yeah, also. what? Which game could you compare it to in England and uh, something like that? Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Um. Have we got anything else to mention about the national team now, now that we've finished all the uh, the advert break? Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, I don't know if you want to do some predictions. doesn't seem really worth it for I think, the friendly. I, I think, think Argentina, Argentina are going different. to win both matches yeah. by two-plus goals. I would agree with you, yes. Sticking my neck out. Uh, and obviously one of the things that we discussed as well during the uh, halftime break was the fact that Argentina are not for the first time shortly before a tournament uh, playing a couple of teams who they're expecting to beat quite comfortably in both matches and it's not going to be that much of a test but at least part of the reason for that this time was as I mentioned earlier the fact that this was supposed to be uh, the window in which FIFA were going to insist that Brazil versus Argentina in the World Cup qualifying got played um, and that by the time that was called off, obviously the Nations League is taking place in Europe, yes. so there are no European teams anyway available for friendlies, um, and all of the other, in inverted commas, big-name national teams around the world have basically already sorted themselves out, so yes. Argentina were, and Brazil were left kind of scrambling around for opponents a little bit. Today is two months, we are two months to the first match. Yes, Argentina. Argentina. And I think we can say, um, while... It's very much uh, following tradition to have Argentina play a load of not brilliant teams. Probably the the new thing, the most surprising thing we're seeing is that they're going into a World Cup with the team already in place. Mm. And I can't remember ever seeing that in a in an Argentina World Cup preparation. Definitely well, not in two thousand eighteen. Not even in two thousand fourteen. Obviously, nothing of the sort in two thousand ten. What a difference winning a major international trophy a year previously makes. It, it definitely helps, yes. It and I think it will help the, the psychology of the team as well yeah. because they're going to be going into it with that significant-sized monkey off their backs at last. Yes. Uh, I think they're going to play with a lot more freedom. You know, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, they're going to win it. But it, to me, I was thinking this in the shower the other night, it feels like the first time Argentina are going into a World Cup and where expectations and... What, looking at it with like a cold, non-Argentine head mm. and thinking, well, what are their actual chances? Though yeah, They seem to marry up quite well, yeah. you know, in almost all of the others, it's been either expectations through the roof and yet coming to it like, like in 2010, right, where everybody, I don't know what you got done, but I, I moved here a couple of months before the it 2010 was. World Cup and had to put up with loads of like 
people in bars going to me, you know, the year ends in 10 and Maradona is managing us. So it's destined. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sat there like not wanting to start a big fight, yeah. you know, because this guy's quite drunk or whatever. And so grinning and nodding and going, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. And thinking, what the fuck? Yeah, well, humorology is definitely a thing. Yeah. Either, you know, either that or just expectations absolutely through the roof and you and you look at it and think oh yeah maybe that's justified and then something like 2002 happens where in fact the team mm. turned out to be not all that together and now we have some pretty compelling evidence that they are together because they just won a Copa America in Brazil against Brazil yeah. in the final well, so and they, they are together that's, I think that's yeah. the biggest thing we've just we've been kind of pounding and pounding this point over the last couple of years it, it's actually a team um, yeah. almost like a club team in its spirit and, and like mm. the way they click it was said several times that if uh, uh, would have happened what what happened to Maradona in 1994, the team would have been candidate to, to win the, the the World Cup after winning the 1993 Copa America. Also, like yeah. happened and having reached the previous two World Cup finals as well, winning one and then losing one. Um, but yeah, it, it's so probably not that interesting a pair of friendlies coming up, um, and it's a kind of a shame. I, I continue to say. It's a bit of a shame that it's this World Cup of all ones that actually appears to be a realistic chance of something really big happening. Because whoever wins it in Quata is always going to have that thing of, uh, yeah, but it was that particular one that we finally managed to win. But, um, you know, looking at... Uh, Rodrigo de Pau gave an interview yesterday and, and said, I, I think that we're on a similar kind of rhythm, I think was the word he used, uh, to the European sides. And, I mean... Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not paying a hell of a lot of attention to the Nations League, but if I watch, you know, half a match here or there, I had the France game on earlier, and you kind of watch it, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not seeing anything that if I were Argentina, and even if I were one of the players in the team, I wouldn't be looking at that thinking, oh, I'm terrified. I just don't think we're anywhere near that level. Um, so it's going to be interesting. We will, of course, have, and we have more of this in the next couple of months to discuss. We have players like we mentioned right uh, uh, recently, like Enzo Fernandez, who is. Adapted, totally adapted to, to European football, like for example Julian Alvarez, mm. two of the players that have been transferred recently and are at the same, similar or same level that uh, the European uh, yeah. rhythm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tay say I've got a graphic up now saying that Lisandro Martinez could get the nod over Petzela, no, the centre back. Good. Alongside Otamendi, of course. But um, excellent. And still Los Elso slash Fernandez in midfield. Um, moving on to listeners' questions. Uh, that's not the right Twitter account. Hang on, give me a second. Uh, we had a couple from, or one or two comments at least, from like a week or two ago. Uh, is that the one I was looking for? Yes, it is. Uh, Tim tweeted us 12 days ago to say, Love the pod, guys. Stumbled upon it in Argentine football just a month or so ago. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Tim, and welcome on board. Uh, David Johnson tweeted us on the 11th of September, asking, anyone know what channel the Super Classico is on tonight? Uh, Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, David. David. Uh, he did also tweet my non-podcast um, account, which I never check anymore, uh, and also tweeted Santi, who appears not to have replied to him. So, yeah, sorry on Santi's behalf, David. That's all Santi's fault, really. Yeah. Uh, BC, BC Young. Yes, busy Young. Derek Ryan tweeted us on the 13th of September and said, the US... So he's, he's photo, like, screenshotted a, a tweet uh, with the number of players exported from each league in, a, in, in the Americas to Europe. Um, 
so far this year, between winter and summer this year. It doesn't say whether that's northern winter or southern winter and summer, but anyway. Uh, and says, so Derek's question is, the US league system finally surpassed Brazil and Argentina as the primary exporter of talent to Europe. Has the Liga Profesional fallen that far? Numbers are, in case anyone's bothered, uh, 72 players left MLS for Europe this year. Really? 67 cool. from, the, from Brazil to Europe. 37 from the league here. Uh, 27 from the United Soccer League, which is the American... Second I don't know whether division. it's just the second or maybe yeah. second and third or whatever, but it's 27 for various American divisions. 16 from the Canadian Premier League. Um, I'm kind of guessing that that's what it's called because it says CanPL. Uh, 14 from Uruguay, 13 from Colombia, 11 from Liga MX in Mexico, uh, 9 from Ecuador, and 2 from NCAA in the United States. Which is college. The, the, uh, amateur college yeah. leagues. Um, so I, I don't know whether it's as much a case of Argentine football and indeed Brazilian football falling as it is something that we've been talking about on and off during transfer windows for a few years which is that MLS clubs especially are getting really good at scouting Latin America for talent. Mm. And so it's maybe at least a few of those players moving there are going to be players who were playing in Brazil and were playing in Argentina and then um, moved to MLS yes. rather than making the move straight to Europe. Um, yes, the players that came to River from MLS weren't uh, really... The result wasn't good. No, exactly. I mean, But I mean, also, if there are 37 players who moved in 2022 from the Argentine League to... Europe, I would guess that 30 plus of those players are going to be Argentines and there might be a couple of Uruguayans and Paraguayans or something. They must Whereas 72 players moving from MLS to Europe are all 72 of those going to be American? I'd be surprised. A lot. The most no, remarkable I, I example. think a big bulk of them are going to be Latin American. Sorry to keep talking the, over you, Andres. Go on. The most, re, the, the most remarkable example is Miguel Almiron, the one who mm. from Lanús went mm. to Atlanta United and from Atlanta United went to New York, Newcastle United and he's still there and playing well. Yes. Dan has dropped his phone in case you're yes. wondering what that noise was. We're I'm intrigued by this number because I would never have... Yeah. That's a, that's a really big number. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's obviously including, just, just based on the numbers from all of those leagues, it's going to include a load of quite low-down European leagues, I would have thought as well, who are buying players from absolutely all over the place. Um, but yes. yeah, I mean, my, my initial thought is that it, it changes the sort of root of the conveyor belt rather than its ultimate source, if that makes sense. It's like um, a, a diversion, you're saying? Yeah, MLS is just becoming a, a bit of a middleman. Um, I'm guessing, again, not having seen the source, not mm. having seen where, where he's getting these figures from, and not having seen a list of all of the players' names, but it would surprise me if a pretty large number yeah. of those play, 72 players moving from MLS to Europe and possibly of a bunch of the 27 players moving from USL to Europe uh, aren't actually Latin American originally. One example, Argentine or, one or, example or, to be credit to that is, for example, Valentin Castellanos, the, 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 the striker from Mendoza, mm. Argentina, and that went to the New York City uh, F FC, I think it is, and now he's at Girona, at Spain. Yeah. Uh, mm. was looked for a, a link with River, but River couldn't pay the, the transfer. And now he's, I think he's playing for Girona. Oh, Spain. and that's a move within City Football Group as well, right? Because Girona ah, yes, are yes. linked to City Football yes. Group, I think. I might be wrong. Yes. Um, I've just been looking through, through the list, actually. It's interesting. that There's a lot of uh, US-born players as well. Some oh, okay, well. Argentines as well. This is only for January, but... Ignacio Aliceda, anyone? Oh. He went from Chicago Fire to Lugano. Lugano? 
FC Lugano in Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah, not, not where it is, obviously. Yes. Uh, Paraguay. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of um, a lot of overseas born players mm. who have been either going to Europe or. So Junior Dest must have been playing mm. in the US some time ago. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, well, he is American. Yes, but it yeah, does seem um, yeah. it does seem like a lot of uh, a lot of teams like in uh, in the Netherlands, in Germany, particularly, um, kind of looking for these young. MLS yep. players who, to be sincere, yes. I've hardly heard of any of them. Mm. Um, so I'm guessing maybe because of the MLS transfer system, they they don't command big fees, or they're not allowed to command big fees. That maybe um, makes them attractive to European clubs. I yeah, I also really wonder. It works. Completely just spitballing, but I also wonder whether the number of army kids, especially like Americans born in mm. Germany. You know, because their parents were serving there or whatever yeah. at some point. It means that there's a bit more of a link with Bundesliga clubs and American clubs. I think there definitely from a is couple a, of decades ago. There's a long standing connection between the States and Germany uh, when it comes to football. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, this isn't a criticism of MLS clubs, by the way, because it's something that we, I, I was saying a few years ago as mm. well when, they, when, when Almiron went to Atlanta. Yeah. It's exactly how US clubs should operate and would operate if I was mm. the president of one of them. So you'd scout them. Yeah. Fuck out of Latin America, which is this no, great scene. Right. Um, I've, I've, I've got nothing but respect for the work they've been doing in the States. I mean, the league from almost nowhere, nowhere is now almost on a par with the, with the Liga MX, yeah. uh, which is a huge achievement considering you know the Mexican league was head and shoulders above anything in CONCACAF, uh, basically since its inception. Mm. Uh, just to get on that level to challenge is, is really... Um, is really impressive. Totally. Uh, Club Atlético Independiente in English asks, who are your favourite players in this campaign? No one from Independiente, I'm afraid. I don't think that's too controversial to say. I was thinking, I was watching a bit of the Tacheres match at the weekend, and I was mm-hmm. slightly surprised to idly look up at one point during the second half. Um, I think he missed a chance, and I remember thinking, oh, he scored a lot of goals this campaign. I wonder like, how many that would have put him on. And I looked him up and was slightly surprised to find that Lucas Valoyes, mm-hmm. he's, he's Colombian. So, sorry, Diego. Diego Valoyes, because he's Colombian, not Argentine, um, has only scored three goals for Tacheres or four or it something. Been injured, I think it felt to me like he'd scored about eight or nine, but mm-hmm. he's looked very, very sharp when he's mm-hmm. played. Uh, he's having a the one who play. is shining there is Rodrigo Garro, I think, who scored the two goals. That make made Tashers win the other the, the the weekend, but for me I will wash my hands and say the favorite is the goal scorer, actual goal scorer who is Mateo Mateo Rategui from Tigre. Yeah, uh, eleven goal, thirteen goals mm-hmm. I think. He uh, was very good in the first half of the year as well um, in the Copa Liga Profesional. Yeah, had a very good year. I also uh, like Colidio Facundo Colidio from Tigre. I've got um, a couple from Uragan. Brian, Brian Aleman. Sorry, it was yes. another name I wanted to Brian mention. He's been around forever, but his set-piece delivery just ah, never gets yeah. old. Yeah. From Uragan, I've really enjoyed watching Franco Cristaldo. I think he's had a mm-hmm. brilliant yes. season. And he's he's also the, hmm? It says here that uh, Franco Cristaldo is the... After, after Rategi is the uh, player who's been involved in the second most number of goals, if you count goals scored plus assists yeah. made. He's been very, very good. Uh, and the centre-back, and I believe captain as well, Mirosha, has been an absolute titan from at the back. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we should say something about Atletico Tucumán. I think Cristian Menéndez uh, just scored the two goals yeah. to give him their last win, and I think he's been really good. Uh, Guillermo Acosta still in the business in in the middle at 33 years old. He's been uh, a stalwart for uh, for Atletico Tucumán for years and years and years now. Um, and Lampe too has been been very solid. Uh, hasn't really. I don't know if he's stood out, but he's finally you know at a club where he's been playing regularly and yeah. kind of shown why he's Bolivia's number one. Yeah, why he's a former Copa Libertadores runner-up. Indeed. Um, yeah, he's been yeah. he's been good. And then from Racing, it would be hard to say. Copetti has been pretty good in kind of a very inconsistent team where he's almost yes. had to run the attack on his own. Uh, from River could have been Solari but uh, after playing four or five games really great in great form like Ashardo announced he finally went down in his performances yeah I mean I think given his age and the fact that he's only just arrived he's definitely one to watch for the next couple of seasons but yeah I I would agree he's just not he's not quite going to get in the team of the campaign just yet is he Um, anyone from I mean I feel like we should say... It was Bisha. Okay, on the stats I was just looking up, Marcos Rojo apparently is leading the league for passing percentage at the moment. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. And definitely always a strong contender yeah. for most ridiculous red card. Before up. getting injured, it was Bisha perhaps, but uh, well... I'd say something for yeah, Agostin Rossi so as well, can. who ever since they signed uh, yeah. Romero, it's just like almost just out of spite. Made it himself, as a personal insult. Yeah, and made himself undroppable. Uh, even though he's going to be out of contract and pissing off at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember a player, even when when the Guevara goalkeeper is the different position, to happen this twice, of not playing any any single match, perhaps, in their club. Well, of course, he won't play for national team, but uh, 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 he might have said, well, yes, I will go to a team and play. <laughs> What's going I mean, is he still not fit? I mean, how fit do you have to be to be a goalkeeper? He's not even on the bench. And I think he's earning a decent wage. Like, why? What? Does, is Romero just allergic to club football? Is this it? Like, it would it would hurt him to to play. Yeah, who knows? What's going on? One day, maybe we'll get an interview with him and be able to ask him. Sergio, what the fuck are you playing football? If you're listening, Sergio, get in touch. Yes. We're assuming you speak some English, or at least understand it. Uh, Bob Roberts says, "I am resubmitting a question." What is the most outrageous thing you've seen happen in top-level Argentine soccer? My pick is Racing Club president Daniel Laline being hit in the head with a drum hurled by an irate, an irate fan during a bankruptcy press conference in the 1990s. Mm. And uh, Jamie Ralph has replied with, this gets my vote, this photograph. That is Luis Leal, I believe. It is, it looks like it. This seems to be a reserve match given the kit he's wearing. A training, I think it was training. Or training. Yeah. Uh, and it appears to be halted because an Iguana is running across the pitch pursued by a dog. Yes. Uh, that's not a line out of a Shakespeare play, <laughs> but almost. Um, the most outrageous thing you've seen happen in top level Argentine soccer. I mean, I guess the pepper spray incident yes. isn't really top level Argentine soccer because it took place in a South American club competition. Mm. So we have to step it down a little bit from that, but that's otherwise that would be right up for consideration. I was going to say that and the the the, the 2018 uh, breaking glass of the bus where Boca was arriving to the Monumental, yeah. 
Of course, then it was the Santiago Bernabeu and that. And but yeah, were, that's, but that's continental football. Mm. Yes, of what course. What have we got in Argentine football? Dan? I remember an exorcism that Gimnasia <laughs> carried out in their stadium after not winning or even drawing, I think, yeah. a Clásico against Estudiantes for about 10 years, um, headed by a, a little person priest who carried around a massive cross along the stadium and sprinkled holy water all around it. Uh, and I think they're still lost. Mm. Um, along that lines, there was another one with Racing when they decided when they found out there was a curse on the stadium that Independiente fans had buried um, seven cat skulls in their stadium. Was it not that the story was always that there were six of them and they thought they found them all and then they discovered that there was another one somewhere and had to dig that up like years later? No, they guessing this. They only sense. started digging them up when Racing had gone like thirty years without winning oh, anything. Okay. Uh, so they just started digging, and then when they started digging, apparently they found six, but one of them still remains. They have not yet. Oh, found still to this day. Still to this uh, day, yes. They have never found the seventh Casco. Hmm. But Racing have won a couple of things since. They have won, so, yeah. So maybe the, really the power of the curse has been diminished because there's only one of them now. Yeah, I think yeah, but they don't win every year, so it's still there in some way. I would, yeah, we should find the Casco so Racing win everything every year. Hmm. Uh, but then that might get boring. Right now. Um, not strictly Argentine football, but along the um, if we're counting Argentine teams in continental competition, I remember the Copa Libertadores game between Atlético Tucumán and El Nacional, I believe it was in in Quito, Ecuador, when they couldn't get off the ground to get to Quito, the game was delayed and they had to do yes. a madcap dash. To the stadium from the airport with police holding them. Aided, have, aided by the Argentine ambassador in Ecuador screaming. Who was screaming at the bus, telling, <laughs> telling cars to get moved the fuck out of the way. They didn't have any and then kits had to, with them. And then had to play with the kit from the under-20. Argentina yeah. under-20s. And they won. At altitude in Quito. It was, um, it was spectacular, yeah. The, the funniest thing for me, the funniest image from that is mm. still, even, even though obviously we saw it, it was like an OJ Simpson style coverage of the, the coach pelting along the highway at one yeah. point but the funniest image for me is still seeing these significantly more muscular players than the players who actually owned the shirts that they were having to play in uh, turning out in those national team kits for the under, for the kids basically and it, it was hilarious Some yeah, I think Pulgar Rodriguez was one of them and <laughs> Pulgar Rodriguez as much as we love him he doesn't have the physique of any healthy no. 20 year old by any means uh, and he was definitely stretching a few of those I think there is one thing stretch. One thing which is uh, unbelievable rather than outrageous, but is the elections uh, that ended with 38. 38, 38, 38 yeah. Yeah. True, yeah. Uh, and genuinely outrageous, I think, was the decision to expand the top division to 30 teams, which might be about to happen again. Mm. Let's keep our fingers crossed that it doesn't. Um, Mystic Sam? Yeah, why not? I feel like that subject could be an entire extra on its own. Uh, well, maybe. Well, maybe not today, but if we I can't remember where have the a little is. bit of time to research. I can't remember whether Bob's one of our Patreon supporters. but uh, We've given him an answer. You know, it's something indeed. to think about when we don't have any more ideas. Indeed, one day. Uh, 
Okay, this weekend's matches begin with Godoy Cruz versus Boca Juniors, which I think is going to be a draw. Godoy Cruz having that strong home record we mentioned earlier. Huracan versus Banfield, I think will be a Banfield win. Defensa y Justicia, I expect to win at home to Patronato. Sarmiento versus Arsenal, I think is an Arsenal victory. Um, I think Lanús will... Excuse me. A bit too much fun, a bit too quickly though. I'm just struggling to hold down a couple of burps. I think Lanús will beat San Lorenzo. I think that River, uh, who's been very inconsistent recently, but I think they'll beat Tacheres. Um, Independiente versus Newells looks like a draw. Gimnasia. Ooh, Gimnasia versus Tigre. Juicy. Tigre mid table, but they don't lose very many. Um, I'm going to go for a Gimnasia win there. Rosario Central versus Platense uh, is a central win. Racing versus Union is a Racing win. Indeed. Atletico Tucumán, league leaders, at home to Estudiantes should be an Atletico Tucumán win. Vélez uh, versus Barracas Central will be a Barracas Central win. Aldo Sibi versus Central Córdoba will be a Central Córdoba win. I think Aldosimi are now below Vélez in the league table on goal difference, in spite of having won two matches more than Vélez have. Almost bottom in serious relegation draw. If there are relegations. And Colón versus Argentinos, I think, is going to be a draw. No, I think it's going to be a Colón win, actually. I'll change that. Colón, who lost Facundo Farias, injured, seriously injured. No, no, I'm going to go back to a draw, actually. I've just seen how low Colón are in the league table. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, Argentinos are quite underwhelming, and then I looked and saw that Colón are 25th, and Argentinos are 8th. Yeah, I'm going to go for a draw. This is the level of research and investigation we've we'll got into each brilliant chapter of Handpud. Indeed it is, and it's the level of research and investigation you can next expect to hear, probably about this time next week, um, mm. when we will be reviewing Argentina's two... International defeats yes. or victories or draws, but probably wins. Or walkovers, postponements, yeah. fingers crossed that does. Hurricanes. It would be nice to have some actual football to talk about or some yes. soccer to talk about mm. because they are being played in the, in the United States. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're people too. So, in the meantime, thank you very much indeed for listening and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. English Dan. Goodbye. And me, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>